Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Schmitz. I am joined by my co-host, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. (laughs) Excellent. I'm super excited talking about screen time today and just some things that we've done along the way to help manage that and use it responsibly. Because as we all know, technology has advanced so rapidly over the last decades that we've kind of fallen into it. Mm -hmm. And even as adults, there's a lot of mismanagement of it, and myself included. Yep. We all make mistakes with this stuff, and a lot of it has to do with just not clearly defining the intentions behind using the devices. We kind of switch into a default mode, and the companies that make the apps that you use know that. And they're kind of, in one sense, sort of preying on that. Like that's valuable to them, but they don't pay you for your attention. So uh, we're going to start here with talking about how we have managed this in our family. And this isn't exactly a formula that everybody should use, but hopefully it'll give you some ideas for how to manage it effectively for yourself. Yeah, so we have a few things that we do around our house to try and set a good example for our children so they are equipped and know how to use it responsibly. And that's that's the big thing is we don't want to just say, no, you can't use this or even severely limit it. We want to teach them how to manage it for themselves because we won't always be there to be like, hey, you shouldn't do that. (laughs) Yeah, and we're open about the rules so that they can call us out if we forget. And it's not disrespectful at all, but we all have these ground rules to live by. Do as I say, not as I do. Like, we don't want to replicate that. Yep. We want to set the example and set the tone. So uh, I guess first of which would be video games. Because we have boys, and it's not just boys that love video games, but our boys really love video (laughs) games. They really like video games, it's true. This has been a kind of an evolution over the years of how we've handled this. And I'm okay with them liking video games. There was a time where I felt guilty for how much they loved them. There's a few reasons why, I guess, but... I learned a little bit more about the video games aren't all bad. They actually can learn some problem solving and some different skills uh, when done in moderation. That's the key. Yeah, moderation. Done in moderation. Yes. So it used to be where I would be managing like about 30 minute time blocks of a video game for each of our boys. So with four boys in the afternoon, I didn't like afternoons because I'm sitting there going, (laughs) okay, my timer's almost 30 minutes. Now you need to wrap up and, you know, all these reminders for them. And I can't get anything done because every 30 minutes I'm making sure they wrap up. So Mike actually picked up a time timer, right? Yep. And actually before that, let's go back and let's talk a little bit about the problem here because they're just being kids. They're trying to extend the amount of time that they get to play video games. And if I was them, I would do the exact same thing. And you did, I'm sure. (laughs) I probably did. Actually, we didn't have video games in in our house growing up till a certain point and then kind of went off the deep end and played them all the time. So, Well, yeah. There's a lot more to that story that I don't know how much we'll unpack. But. Yeah, that, that's okay. That's kind of my reference point, though, and kind of what we want to avoid our, our kids doing is, you know, you have this ability now to to use this thing, and you don't want to just because you were told you couldn't do it for a while, like, go overboard with it, recognize that this is here, and learn to manage it effectively. And that fits with the larger issue of screen time, but video games specifically, 
I think they maybe get a, a bad rap. I will say that with kids, you do have to kind of be careful with video games. Pay attention to how the games they are playing are influencing their behavior. Oh, yes, absolutely. They can get real jacked up and then it's almost like their brain when they're done playing video games, doesn't realize that the video game is over. Yeah, they're still going at that <laughs> they're speed. They're still going. Yeah. And they're punching their brother because they were just battling them. You know, and they're going to continue to battle them. And uh, it's not really their fault. Like, we're the ones that have to notice that that is the impact that it's having on them. And then we have to teach them to recognize it for themselves. There's some games that they should wait till they're a little older if we let them play certain games too young then what do they have to look forward to as they get older so there's a little bit of that so do yourself a favor and uh, take a look at that and it's easy to just say okay sir video game time sweet I can check out but it is important that we still are aware and have some um, somewhat of a knowledge and understanding of what they're playing and like Mike said how they're reacting to it you know, sometimes it could be we need to dial that back or not play that one or maybe not play that one as long or at least help them transition out of that time to get their brain some time to just, okay, just take a breather, you know, yep. <laughs> and just being downshift from overly that. Overly stimulated, yeah. Yeah, because it's really not fair to just all of a sudden, you know, we start snapping at them after if they start misbehaving. Like we just need to recognize that they need a little bit of time to just come off that like super intense competitive mode, you know? Yep. So that's really important to recognize as well. But like we said, the video games themselves, we don't necessarily view them as a bad thing. You made a comment earlier about everything in moderation. So the question probably in people's minds is, well, what is moderation? <laughs> yeah, this looks so different for each family. We'll just share what we have done. Like I said, we started off more like 30 minutes. And then we kind of, we actually had a discussion with them. We're like, well, what is fair? And they're like, well, an hour, an hour for each of us a day. I'm like, my eyes got really big. Like, that's a long time. And they were convinced that we they should be allowed to play for an hour. Well, the the way the the meeting went was we highlighted the problem that it was really stressful for you primarily to manage the video game times because it's in the afternoon I'm downstairs in my office working so I'm not there for most of this I may be passing through when you're trying to get somebody to wrap up and you're getting frustrated <laughs> but we told them you know this isn't going to work so we need to figure out a way for you guys to manage this on your own. That's where the time timer comes in. And this is like a little clock that sits underneath the TV and you turn the dial and it like fills up the analog clock. So it goes from like zero to 60 minutes and you can see it like shrinking as it counts down. Yeah, And it's red. Yep. So, so it's easy, to, easy see, to see and it beeps when it's done. And the agreement that we came to was, okay, well, we can try an hour for each of you, but here's the deal. We can't manage this, so we'll get this timer to help you, but you need to wrap up by the time this timer goes off. That means that you are not just finishing the level, you're saving it quick. It means that you have done all that and you have turned off the console. Yeah. If, if that has not happened by the time the timer goes off, then you will lose video games the next day. Yes. So they definitely have lost video games for the next day from this. But 
it really hasn't been often. It has worked out very well. Like I don't have to intervene much. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm usually in the same room, and they're really good about doing it. And sometimes, if I do see it, I will remind them, like, "Hey, did you check your time? You know, if it's getting to the end, especially yeah. for the little one, the little mm-hmm. little guys." Um, so that that's it's actually been awesome. It's worked really well, and I feel like it's helping them learn responsibility and to put limits on things. So the goal is for this to carry over as they grow older and gain more independence and responsibility that they have to manage on their own. Because I've seen, I guess I see a pattern where if parents are so strict that they're like, well, no, video games are bad. They just label Mm -hmm. things bad. Well, what's going to happen is they're going to find any way they can to get to those video games. It's going to be at a friend's house. It's going to be somewhere. They will get to them. They will find a way. And then it's like you kind of lose that platform, that teaching time of helping them learn responsibility. So I'm not saying y'all need to let your kids play video games, but I am saying that we need to strike a balance where we can be leaders as parents, because we need to be. The proverb says, if you let a child lead you, you're a fool, basically, because uh, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. That doesn't mean kids are stupid by no means. That just means foolishness, meaning they haven't been taught. They haven't learned wisdom yet. They so, haven't developed the self-control skills yes. yet, and that's not their fault. No, that's <laughs> our job as parents, and you are made to raise your children and to do it well. Yep. The one other thing about the video game topic, and then we can get into some of the other screen time stuff, I think that a lot of people default to defining things as bad that they don't understand. And I want to caution against that, where just because you don't understand something that your kids are attracted to doesn't necessarily mean that this is a a bad thing and a bad influence and you need to to shut this out. Um, I'm kind of an example of this, I think, uh, just my own bias is with the digital assistants, like Alexa and, and Siri, I almost never use these things. And our kids do it all the time. Even the two-year-old is like yelling at the, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just a difference in where we're at in our lives and the technology and the things that we are, that we grew accustomed to. And the things that are new, we tend to think like, oh, that's not that big a deal. It's not that important. But it is, it can be, and it is sometimes to a younger generation. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with my generation in video games is uh, a lot of yeah, older parents true. just didn't, didn't understand them. And they saw their kids just zoning out in front of the TV for hours at a time because they never took the time to figure out how does this Nintendo thing work and what are the limits that we should put around the intentional use of this. And so the kids set the rules. And that's where that's where things got a little, little out of whack. I totally agree. And it's pretty interesting to think about because it can be easy to just want to put our head in the sand and label things and just to say, okay, let them do their thing or don't let them do anything, right? But 
it's really important that we be very engaged as parents because I'm sure I'm not the only one that would rather experience something good or bad with my children than have them experience it without me. Mm-hmm. I have had the opportunity opportunity to homeschool my children since my oldest was five. And my greatest thing that I am thankful for in that time is all of those moments, good and bad, that I have been there for them and that I've had an answer or not even always an answer. Sometimes I just don't know, but that I'm there and I can experience it with them and see them grow through all of that. And I, I've seen each of them grow in so many ways and to process things and to be there. And so to be an engaged parent, we have to first be responsible ourselves for our technology, for those smartphones, iPads, watches. Yep computers, all of it, because if we default, it will control us and we will be on it all the time. And a lot of us could be addicted and not even realize it. And a good test for this would be decide to go for a walk even. (laughs) Just start with a walk and don't bring your phone. Yep. Just stay in a safe place, stay in your neighborhood or whatever, and just be cognizant of how that feels and how often you want to go grab it. Yep. So real quickly, I want to go back just a a little bit because the point you were making before that was that essentially you're responsible for what you allow into your home. And I agree with that completely. But I also want to encourage people that doesn't mean that you have to have it all figured out. You're not surprised by anything. Oh, gosh. It just means that (laughs) you have to be willing to figure it out. Yes. You can't be afraid of not having all of the answers. And if something new comes in, you have to be able to to judge it and see it for what it what it really is. Uh, and then you can talk about engaging with it in the appropriate way. A lot of times when it comes to like the phones and stuff, they are looking to you for an example. And a lot of parents without realizing it are setting a really bad example. <laughs> Us included. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the stereotypical stuff is, well, kids these days, they're always on their phones. That's how they communicate, yada, yada, yada. But really, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of think that there probably is a little bit of that because they're they're digital natives. So they embrace those technologies. But I do think that something inside the heart of a young person longs for direct conversation with their mom and with their dad. Definitely. And in fact, there's a book, which I know is something we were going to talk about the next episode, which kind of touches on this. And it's called Reclaiming Conversation by Sherry Turkle, if you want to go look at it. It's an interesting book because she's a researcher and she talked to a lot of young people and a lot of the young people were like, I just want to talk to my mom. I just want to have a conversation with my dad. Yep, that's the prevalent answer. And as parents, as the responsible adults in the room, we tend to think that, well, I've got a job. I'm providing for my kids. They're going to all these places, doing all these things. They have it better than I did, so I can't have a problem with my phone. Really? I challenge you, go into the settings and take a look at your screen Screen time sets and see how much time you actually spend on your phone because the average adult checks their phone, unlocks their phone uh, every six minutes. 
throughout the day. It's hundreds of times that we go to our phone. And really the reason that we do that is because we don't like being bored. We're looking for a distraction. Jean Blanc calls those the, the just checks. And I really like that because a lot of times we're not even going there because, oh, there's probably a bunch of stuff in Twitter. It's just, I'm looking for anything. So I don't have to be bored while I'm waiting in line at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much to unpack with that. And there is so much there and we really do have to take a hard look at ourselves. And I, I, if you've never looked at your screen time and you have a smartphone, I ask you to do that. <laughs> yep. If you take one thing away, look at your screen time and I, you'd probably be shocked by what you see. And there's a lot of easy adjustments that can be made. Exactly. So don't get upset because you see the problem. Don't get depressed and down on yourself. Just see it for what it is. Once you understand what the problem is, you can make adjustments to the systems and you can produce better results. And that's ultimately what we want to do with our kids is we want to recognize that the fact that they're going to the devices all the time when we see them, maybe that's because they see mom and dad with their nose and their phones at the dinner table. Just as a random example, I mean, everybody's got their own thing, but that's the one that stands out to me because that's one of the rules that we've kind of changed and implemented recently. We didn't ever do this a lot, but I did notice that I was doing it. And so I set the rule and you and I are the only ones who have phones at the moment, but we why do we want to not have phones at the table? It's because we want to have conversation. conversation. Yes. So we recognize that Joshua, for example, or a 10-year-old, he likes to read a lot. So he's coming to the, the table with a book all the time and he's eating with one hand and his eyes are And also not engaging in conversation. Exactly. So it's more like, okay, no books or phones. We're going to look at each other, eat our food and talk. Exactly. This is the time when we eat together and when we talk together. Yes. And that I think was it was important though for us to say, hey, we're not going to do this either. Yes. We yep. can't just say, you have this problem and you need to stop. That's not going to work. Yeah, we really try to abide by our own rules because it's really not fair to them if we set a rule and then we break it ourselves all the time. Like, what is that teaching them? You know, they're just saying, well, mom can say this thing, but she doesn't have to do it. Like, how are we going to teach them how to live right if we don't do it? If we don't set an example, and that doesn't mean perfection by no means, but we do need to do our best. One thing I want to say too is um, Sundays, I want to call this out too, we actually take a break from video games. So that's the one day a week where we go, okay, we're going to just not play video games today so that, you know, we're, we're Christians and we go to church on Sundays and there's nothing special about Sundays. Maybe you, maybe you do your own service on a different day. But we just recognize that one day a week is really important for them not to do video games and it's not a punishment. It's just like a rest day, you know? And that's gone over really well. They totally understand that and they haven't actually ever complained about that. (laughs) So that's been really, really good. You were talking about uh, setting the example and there's a related point to this which kind of shocks people, I think, sometimes when we talk about how much people, how much our kids use screens for the rest of their day-to-day stuff. Because we have an hour limit on the vi- on the video games, but that's not the only time they're spending in front of a screen during a day. They use it for Spanish. They use it for coding, all that kind of stuff. But we want to teach them that the intentional use is the important thing. And 
going along with that, there's no hard, fast rules like, oh, you can only do 20 minutes of, of Spanish a day. If that's what you want to use the device for, then we will let them use it for that for, I don't know. I mean, sometimes they're on them for, for a lot, but it, the reason that they're using it is the deciding factor yeah, for us. Yeah, the motive is what is most important. And we have a saying that we say all the time in our house is be a creator, not a consumer. So yep. if they're going to be creating, then that kind of changes our view on screen time. So let me give a few examples. If my youngest son, he asks this all the time, can I play a learning game on the iPad? So I've kind of taught him like, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know, maybe this one. But then what if I say yes, he takes the iPad and he immediately does something else. So I've taught him that, okay, I'm going to take this back now because you're not doing what you said you were going to do. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be harsh, but I'm trying to teach him like, if you don't have an actual purpose and reason for wanting to use this device, then you're not going to use it right now. Exactly. Our oldest son, who's 12, he's gotten really into building Lego boxes. They're Lego puzzle boxes. So if you know what a puzzle box is, just take that, but it's built with Legos. So the prize is like a little Lego money. And he's he learned how to do this by looking at like YouTube videos and things. And then he always modifies them. And now he kind of creates his own and they're really cool. They're really intense. They kind of just look like a block of Legos. But then once you start poking and prodding at them, they have like a series of things that they do. And it's really quite impressive. Yep. And so he's using step-by-step instructions a lot of times. But he completely follows through in doing what he sets out to do with the device. Which is really the whole goal. That's exactly what we want to teach them to yes. do. Because this is the thing that adults, even ourselves, we have trouble with. Like, oh... I am going to go on social media because I want to post about the new but podcast episode. But then we don't post and we do plunk around. <laughs> yes, and Oh, yes. it's so easy to do. Yep. But it's it's really important to teach them like, okay, you want to do this thing, cool. Now you follow through on that thing. And they're learning that I do that and I am trustworthy. So when I ask that, they usually let me. Yep. So that's gone really well. Our We have another son that loves just building with Legos and he's very creative. So sometimes he'll just look at pictures and things and be inspired and build some big, crazy creation. Mm-hmm. And so that's been really neat way to teach him is be a creator, not a consumer. If you are making something that makes your life or other people's lives better, then let's do that. Because technology isn't evil. It's how we use it that makes it good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the intention is yes. the important thing. And so we want to teach our kids that you use this to make something, not you use this to consume something. So create, not consume. That's that's our, our mantra. And it's really important because we use the example like the social media going on there to post about a podcast episode or whatever, and then you just get sucked into the the endless feeds. Infinity pool. Exactly. Make Time by John Zarotsky and Jake Knapp. They talk about those feeds that you can just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and never get to the end of them. And they call them infinity pools. <laughs> and I love that that term. What's crazy about that is that can be just about anything. Yeah. It can be Facebook. It can be email. I was interviewing Shahid Kamal Ahmad for Focused, who is a video game uh, developer. And he said that he recognized that 
the Amazon app ended up being that for him because oh, he wow. would go yeah. in there like, I just need to get a set of screwdrivers. Oh my gosh. And then you and look two at hours else. later, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to check my subscribe and save. Oh, I'm going to check yep. my you end up buying save a whole for bunch later of list. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we fall with this too, but this is an essential skill going forward is the ability to pull yourself out of that environment yeah. not just get sucked into that so yep. that's what we're trying to teach our kids as you you mentioned if they say they want to borrow a, an ipad or a, we've got like the old phones and stuff uh, for a specific purpose usually we let them do that and then we kind of watch them to see if they're going to follow through with exactly yeah. what they said they were going to do yeah and you heard us say they have to ask permission before with a with an intent in yep. mind and follow through that's really important to us so we try and do that ourselves too i just put my uh, social media accounts in a folder called create just as a reminder to myself yep. am i posting something about an episode or something constructive if not why do i want to go and scroll <laughs> yep. I actually have on my front page of my phone, I have a handful of apps. I have the Bible app. I have the Echo app, which we use for the prayer group uh, that I'm in, the Shortcuts app, Day One, which is a journaling app, MindNode, so whenever I'm like taking notes for a book that I'm reading, drafts if I'm going to capture like an idea that I don't want to forget, food noms which is a new one that i'm using to track like what i'm eating but this this uh, front page of my home screen i'll put this in the show notes i've talked about this on the suite setup before there's there's four apps at the top and four apps in the dock that's it and that's because i want to when i open my phone see those things and if i'm going to do anything else i've got to go to a different screen it gives me one extra second to catch myself and be like, why did I just unlock my phone? What am I really doing here? Yeah, I found that to be very effective as well as just changing the interface of how my apps and things are organized. That can be really, that's actually really helpful. And I've gone through times, periods where I've actually deleted all social media off my phone. I think it was 2018. Going into that year, I really wanted to read a lot more. And I ended up reading 24 whole books that year. And, you know, mom of five. So that was a big accomplishment for me. And it was largely due to the fact that I deleted all social media off my phone. And I spent at least a half an hour reading every night. And it was a really great evening routine, too. Yep. And so that just, that was very, that was really good. That was a really good um, transition for me. So you mentioned the evening routine. Let's talk about this for a minute. Because if you are not careful, at the end of the day, especially when you're tired, that's when the siren song of the iPhone <laughs> sings siren the loudest. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of crazy uh, how easy it is to just, at the end of the day, especially just get sucked into stuff and just start scrolling through things. And I would argue, especially when you're in bed. So we actually have a new system at our house because the, the initial... Uh, it, motivation for this was like we we're talking about we want to set the example toby's 12 he doesn't have a phone yet he will at some point when he gets a phone we don't want him to have the phone in the bedroom we want to set the example right now that means that we have to be modeling the behavior that we want to see from our kids before we just say okay starting now you know <laughs> yeah no phones in the bedrooms so we got a seven port usb charger 
which holds all of the phones, all of the iPads, and it sits by the computer upstairs in the kitchen. We got this little like computer nook right in the, the kitchen. And all the devices are charged there. Including ours. We including don't bring them ours. in our room for alarm clocks or anything. This has been super great. Yes. Yes, it has. So I'll tell them myself. I always thought I had self-control. And <laughs> <Don't> my, <we> <laughs> all? my morning routine was I would wake up and I would read my Bible and I would pray. But if I didn't sleep well at night or I woke up and I was just super groggy for whatever reason, it's easy to just go to something else instead because it's right there. My justification for it was always, well, I use my phone for sleep tracking. And I have been using my phone for sleep tracking for several years. And uh, I, when I got this charger, I realized that that was going to have to change. I was going to have to figure out a new system. And I figured out a new system. It wasn't it wasn't that difficult. But that I use that as the example because for a long time that was my justification for having my phone right by me. Well, I need this because I'm sleep tracking. <laughs> well, and but you were willing to change it up and find something else to do. You weren't like making sleep tracking so important that you weren't willing to put the phone away in the kitchen and charge it at night. Right. But it took an outside outside influence. You had to for me think to outside the box and look around and do a little bit of research. True. But I, I guess what I'm saying is the motivation of, I don't want, I really don't want my kids to bring their phones in their rooms at, at any point. That was enough to say. That okay. was enough to cause the change. But at, up until that point, I was blind in thinking, well, this is totally fine because I use it to track my sleep and that's good enough. And so I challenge everybody who's, <laughs> who's made those types of concessions to think about what you have really agreed to there what have you opened the door to that you could potentially create a very simple system that would completely eliminate that because these distractions we naturally go towards that is a lot of time just because it's available it's right there and if we remove it as an option we find out that all of a sudden we don't struggle with that thing anymore. Yeah. Can you imagine like Toby, our oldest son, eventually getting a smartphone? So he'll, he'll be 13 in October. We don't know exactly when he's going to get one. We're not in a hurry. He's not in a hurry. But I don't know. Can you imagine having the conversation with him about like, okay, you're getting this thing now. You can't have it in your room. I mean, I have mine in my room because I need to track my sleep. But you can't have it in your room. Like, how stupid does that sound to a teenage boy? Like, Dad, you need to track the your first sleep. question is, so is, is going to be, well, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you could explain. Yeah. You know, and you do. We won't get into that right now, but you do have a good reason to track your sleep. But it's like there's so many, so many different ways to navigate these things. Yeah. There's yep, so many options. True. So looking at looking down the road for further enough to say if I really don't want them having these devices in their rooms, like what is that going to take? We just have to kind of step back from our situation and take a bigger view, get an elevated view of what's going on. And a lot of times it becomes clear on a different solution, an alternative way of doing things. So I would like to put in the show notes a TED Talk. I think it's a TEDx Talk actually by Colin 
Karchner. I'm not sure if that's how you say his last name, but it's titled Can Flip Phones End Our Social Media Addiction? (laughs) Now, this was put out, I think, a few years ago now. But it's a really good talk. It's a dad that did all this research, and he was just... It's just a really good... It's a really good video. I would ask that you all just go watch it. It's kind of a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call to all of us to be recognized, to see what's really going on. And because there's a generation at stake here. And I'm not trying to be dramatic about it or anything, but um, technology can be really great. It's powerful. It is powerful. And it takes a lot of responsibility. We need to be aware we can't just stick our head in the sand. We need to understand what's going on. And we we don't want to misjudge our children by how drawn they are to it. Yep. Because it it it's meant to be used as a tool, as a creative tool. And so we don't want to lose a generation by misuse of technology. We want to see it as valuable, a way of being efficient, a way of creating but it is time for us to wake up and make a change in ourselves first. Yep. Because we each have things we I mean myself, I have things I want to change and get better at regarding technology specifically. And so I just ask each of us to take a hard look at ourselves and ask how am I managing my own screen time? How yep. am I using my iPhone? Have I looked at my screen time ever? Where am I spending a lot of my time? And what do I want to spend less time? What You know, you may have a dream of something you want to do. Maybe you wanted to write a book. Maybe you wanted to start a blog, a podcast. Maybe you want to call family members more often. Maybe you want to read more books. If you look at your screen time, I can almost guarantee you that making a few adjustments all of a sudden you'll find time to do those things. Exactly. And it's really exciting once you start. I can say that now just with this podcast. We had this idea two years ago, and now that we're doing it, I always had this self-doubt that I had something valuable to share. I don't think I'll, what you know, people really want to hear what I have to say. And it's just been fun to like share what you know, right? I don't have it all figured out. I never will. But if I have learned some lessons along the way and I can help you, then I want to do that. I don't want to withhold anything good that's in me. So do you have anything else you wanted to share? I would encourage everybody to think about what your defaults are. And don't get discouraged if you are the person who's unlocking your phone every six minutes. And if you are the one who is addicted to Facebook or Twitter, just recognize that stuff and then start thinking about little things you can do to kind of move in the direction that you ultimately want to go. Remembering that what you are doing is going to be the thing that is going to be replicated in your kids, not what you tell them. Oh, yes, absolutely. I would love for you to listen to or watch that TED Talk. And we want to discuss a claiming conversation by Sherry Turkle the next episode because it is a great follow-up to this topic of screen time and how to manage all of that. And we want to thank you so much for listening to us again here on Intentional Family. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.